And, you know, when you start studying something, we, he gave us marriage, and we started studying marriage, right? And I was thinking, we all right, we okay, you know, my mindset, my thoughts and everything, I was, was okay. So we've been married almost 33 years to my husband. We have four children, four in-laws. Um, I got three son-in-laws and one daughter-in-law whom I love to death. Um, and we're very active in family. And I was, once I started studying about marriage, I was like, I'm not okay. Because when you start going into the word of God and you start examining yourself and looking at your heart and you let, let that light shine on your heart, I wasn't all right. I was like, um, I started thinking about different things. I would ask my husband like if he was my friend and he go yes. And then I thought about that. I was like, um, I hadn't allowed him to be, can I just go right, can I just talk and just go right in? I hadn't allowed him to be my best friend. I got a really good best friend that I tell everything to, and I wasn't quite, I didn't have that friendship with my husband like I should have. And so when I started studying the word and the word started shining on my heart, I was like, oh my gosh, I thought we had it locked down. I thought I was all right. You know, I was just like, oh, that's so good. But then the word of God started walking and it started talking to me. And some of the, and the things I want to hit on today is um, practical ways to honor your husband. And because I've been married for 33 years, I still have stuff to learn when you start taking the word and applying it to you. And it just really was like, I don't do that. You know, and I don't do that, but the word of God found me anyway. So when I started having conversation with God about friendship with my husband, you know, I didn't treat him like a treasured friend. I got some really good friends. I got some people that I really can talk to and just open up my heart and my mind and stuff like that. And so, uh, and I'm guilty because I'm looking at my husband's face right now. He, he's been a good friend, but I have a friend that you can tell everything to, girl stuff, women stuff, all that stuff to. And I realized that when I started reading the word of God that that's not what I was doing. I've been married for 33 years and I was still shut down on some parts of me. And I thank God for this opportunity to start talking about marriage and how God constituted that. He sent me as a help. The scripture says in Genesis 2 and 18, he says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helper fit for him. And I'm the helper that was fit for my husband. So if, as being a helper, that would mean I will have his back. I will be his friend. I will be there when he needed me. He can talk to me. He can be sure that whatever he want to do, I'm going to support it. And I started realizing that I needed to get myself together. So when I, when I started to talk to God about this, he brought some things to my attention about me. Number one thing, like... Um, if I can be real, like when my husband is talking to me, and honey, you know I love you, right? But I'm, I'm just going to say what's real, right? So when my husband is talking to me and I'm not in agreement, they go my eyes. My eyes be rolling all up in my head and all this kind of stuff. So God said, that's one thing. That's not honoring your husband, rolling your eyes up in your head. You know, it's just not. You know, he's, he's having conversation with me after a long day, and I'm like, okay, 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 well, it's my turn. I'm waiting for my turn to tell about my day. So that's one thing, right? So I worked on standing there listening to what he says. He has a spot when he comes in, and I stand and I listen, and I stop rolling my eyes and all that stuff, right? But God said, that's not just it, because you're still rolling your eyes in your spirit. So he started dealing with me with that. I know. I know. I'm just, I'm just going to talk about it. I'm just going to really just talk about it and being in a relationship. And I wasn't honoring him, and I needed to learn how to honor him. 
You know, my husband is a good husband. If we've been married for 33 years, four kids, 11 grandkids, and all those in-laws, I needed to start checking me and seeing what I needed to do. Because I can't honor God if I don't honor my husband, because God is the here, then my husband. So I needed to work on some things, and I thought I was all right. 33 years, I thought I was all right. But growing up, I didn't see honor in the home. Growing up as a child, I didn't see that. So what I was doing as far as being his wife for 33 years, I thought, you know, I was all right. But God was saying, no, I'm not all right. So I went on, I've been practicing, especially since studying this about marriage, you know, practicing how to listen to my husband. It's not that I wasn't listening to him before, but it was with an attitude. It was with participation to rebuttal or do this or do that, you know what I'm saying, already far into next week while he's talking about today. So let me tell y'all about some things, right? So um, I, I know, I know, I'm sorry. As he said, I could talk and I could be real. So that's what I'm gonna do, because I thought I was all right and I was not all right. So. So when F my husband told me he was his best, I was his best friend, you know, and um, I could, you know, I'm always there for him like that. I started examining myself when I started talking to God about being his best friend. And, you know, I started trying to work at being able to tell him anything, being able to talk to him about anything. And sometimes he kind of, you know, like really, you know, gets a little attitude because I'm a little, I learned how to be a little more real, but I just keep pressing through it because after 33 years, that's our honor. After 33 years of keeping a roof over our head and clothes on our back and shoes on our feet, I know God does that, but he gave him a mind to do it. I need to learn how to honor him as a man. So I, and it's never, I'm sure that I never disrespect him, and you know, outwardly, but there are some things that you need to check yourself with in your heart. So, as I was working and growing, and discussing these things with God, I worked on not rolling my eyes physically and not rolling my eyes spiritually. Okay, that was a start. So then I started treating him like my, my treasure friend. I don't correct him or tell him this, that, or the other. I started really examining that, because when my friend is talking to me, I ain't trying to correct everything she say, I'm just sitting there listening, right? I'm just going, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, he deserved that same honor too. So that's what I've been working on in this process of reading this and studying. If you ever, I read the Bible all the time, but I wasn't studying me. I was just reading the New Testament and the Old Testament and the book of Revelations and all the promises of God. But when you read the word, read you. Read you into the world and see where you stand there in your heart. You got to pray that God creating you a clean heart, renewing you a right spirit because everything isn't all right. And anybody still on this earth should know that you ain't all right. Because if you were all all right in a perfect place, we would already be in heaven. Because we'd be perfect beings. But the truth be that we need to examine ourselves when we read the word and not worry about everybody else. It's the same in having an um, a argument, right? You know how you store up stuff waiting for the right, mo right moment to say something? Like, yeah, uh-huh, I'm waiting for you, right, right. Let's get an argument so I can say what's really on my mind. You be storing this stuff up. But you know what God says? I got a scripture for that. Well, this was, was really, like, um, I want to find that scripture. I'm sorry. Okay, so um, you know how you store past offenses and you're waiting for that opportune moment? And here you go, and you're like, okay, as soon as he say something, as soon as he step across that line, I'm going to bring up the last 10 years when you didn't close the refrigerator, when you left that sour milk in there, I'm just going right in there, right? But this is what I didn't forgive him. It just sat in my heart, just waiting for that moment to say, hey, you did that wrong. You did this wrong. And we had a conversation about this not too long ago, and it was so funny, though. But the book of Ephesians 4 and 31 says, it says, let all bitterness 
and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. But I thought I was all right. I thought I could skate. But then how am I supposed to be skating and not forgiving? My husband, my spouse, the lover of my soul, the lover of my life, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't forgive him, but yet I was seeking forgiveness for God. Because you know what? No matter how perfect we think we are, let me tell you something. We sin too every single day. We do stuff. We even think stuff. We even look at stuff that we're not supposed to. But we can't forgive somebody else. But we're always looking for God to forgive us. Give us a little more grace. Give us a little more mercy. And we need to take that and turn that around to the people that we love and to strangers, and to our enemies. And that's a heavy thing, because even as God forgive us for Christ's sake, we need to forgive other people, because you can't get forgiveness if you don't give it. Am I right about it? So, mm -hmm. that's how we're supposed to forgive. And when, we, when I start believing in my husband, you know what, when we start arguing, I'm sorry, when we start arguing and thinking of all these things in our mind, and weapons to form against them when we're arguing, we, I need to examine myself and say, when did my husband become my opponent? When did I, me and my husband become the fighters against each other? What's going on here that we don't want to be together? What's going on here that we, um, you know, not together, thinking together, working together? It's something, it's something about that. And we don't, we also got to learn how to recognize the enemy when he's coming. Because his whole purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And if matrimony is supposed to be holy, he don't want to see that. So one thing I did learn how to do is to watch to see when the enemy is coming far off. Like, like me and him had to speak today, I kept watching for the opportunity because I knew that Satan was going to come and find something stupid, some reason to bring up something. Uh, the bill's not paid. Uh, I left the door open. My car ran out of gas. Because he was looking for something. And you got to be a little more smarter than him and take a look and say, hey, why are we having this argument? Why am I fighting against him when we're supposed to be come together as one flesh? And that's another thing I wanted to talk about, becoming uh, one flesh. Um, but I thought that was a tough thing and a hard thing. It is. It is, right? Becoming one, he's from the country. I'm from the city. I'm from Philadelphia. He's from Red Hill, Pennsylvania, up in Pottstown, somewhere far up. So it was a, um, to give you a little background, a little bit of background on this guy, I want to get too ahead of myself. Um, when I met my husband, my cousin dragged me out to um, OJ's uh, down on Front Street in Philadelphia. I didn't want to go. I went to, you know, I was fighting. I'm like, I don't want to go out tonight. I don't want to go out tonight. And when we got there, she was modeling, and it was a hunting loss. We're having a party. And so, you know, me and my best friend, um, Tiny, which is now my sister-in-law, was sitting, um, I'm sorry, at the bar. And, um, <laughs> and um, you know, um, I come... Um, I was in church, but um, I kind of slid out of church, and me and her were both, and my best friend was also in church, and she slid out with me, but we wasn't going to the same church. And so we're sitting at this bar, and um, we see this guy just keep looking in the mirror at somebody. And just looking, right? So my girlfriend, she's more bold than I am, so she sends him a drink, and he comes over. Right? We don't drink when we go out, but um, we sent him a drink, and he came over and he introduced himself and everything like that, and oh my gosh, he was so handsome. Um, <laughs> And he was the first guy that I actually danced slow with at a club at all. First guy I gave my phone number to because I wasn't about that. You know how you get them that phony name and that phony number? Ah, uh, 
Yeah, y'all know, right? <laughs> See, y'all know how that be rolling, right? And I didn't. Now, it took him a couple of weeks to, to catch up with me because I was always on a, on a go. But um, finally, when we met and um, we dated for about three months, I met him at the end of October. By December the 18th, I'll never forget that day, he asked me to marry him with a ring on his knee. laughing I was cracking I was like this can't be real three months right and of course I went yes I wasn't that silly <laughs> I like yeah so um you know and God was good but I want to tell you a little bit more and then I'm not gonna be much longer before you let me tell you how I wrote down to God what I wanted I told him what kind of man I wanted I want somebody to love me and appreciate me as a wife as a woman that will support me and a few months later who did I meet in a club, sorry, I know that's bad, but that's where I met him at. I didn't meet him in church, I met him in a club, and God had seen my cry in my heart and had answered my prayers. But then when I got him, and we was married for a little while, after he moved me out to Pottstown, we had a great dates and all that kind of stuff. But then as my gift came, I didn't know how to handle it. I wasn't equipped for it. Somebody to put a roof over your head, buy a house for you, take care of your kids, do all this kind of stuff. I still had city in me. I still had my mother in me. I hadn't been sanctified enough. I hadn't been saved enough yet. So God gave me this gift, and I didn't know how to handle it. He gave me a gift, and I kept trying to give it back. When I couldn't have my way, when I was spoiled, when, I, when this didn't go right, when that. Let me tell you something. When God gives you a gift, you better appreciate it. And now as I got older, and after 33 years, um, we've been knowing each other for, this our 34th year, but a 33 years of marriage, let me tell you something, when God gives you a gift like that, you better appreciate it. That's why I, try to, I was studying on how to honor, how to obey. I don't have a problem with being subject. I don't have a problem with being obeyed because I have a godly man. I don't have just any old body, any old thing. God gave me a gift, and you have to learn how to respect the gift. You know what I'm saying? He's not only handsome, but he's smart. He's also a good provider. So I know that didn't come from any other kind of way. And you, if you struggle with the head that's over you, that's because maybe you picked the wrong head. Maybe you didn't pick a godly man. But when God gives you a gift, you got to respect that. You got to honor it. You got to cherish it. And I learned all these things over the years of being married. I didn't just pop out like first year, year, hey, everything's happening. I tried to run away from home. I tried to do this. I tried to do that. And that was all... Um, inherited in me. But then when God got a hold of my heart and started shaving stuff off and making me look at myself, I had to change my mind. I had to change my thinking. I had to let all those um, generational curses be broken. And I had to let God have his perfect way and his perfect will. And that's with any situation. When you let God, when you let God steer the boat, when you stop being you, and when you stop letting your flesh have its way, then hey, you're going to be all right because God has a perfect plan for all of us. And I thank God for my husband. I thank God for all of you. I'm not going to be in for you much long. Um, God bless you. Amen. Thanks, Eric. Praise the Lord, everybody. I should have went first. <laughs> oh, you can roll it there now. Um, I just want to show you a couple pictures first. <laughs> so I met Vesta, as you say, in 1985, in October. This was, this was our wedding day. Um, we didn't have much money back then. Um, 
that got married in her, her mother's house. Yes. My father performed the ceremony. Yes. I was just excited anyway. <laughs> Next. Yeah, you can just roll through them. Oh, really? Oh, okay, never mind. I, I, I sent a couple. I guess all of them didn't come through. But I wasn't going to tell the whole story, but Vesta already has. We didn't meet in church. Um, we met in a nightclub. There was a... Um, um, a birthday party going on, and there was also a um, fashion show. Now, I was 21 years old, and I was done with dating already. I just figured I would just put some time into myself. I went and joined karate. I was doing, you know, running around doing all these karate tournaments and everything like that, and this full contact stuff. And I had just given up on it. I'm like, I had enough. So, my friends that night came by the house and dragged me out of the house, took me to Philadelphia. And I went to this old Jay's and I sat at the bar. And I just sat there and I looked over and I see in the mirror this little lady sitting there, <laughs> which got my attention. I don't know what else was going on in the place at the time, but all my attention was focused there and finally, she looked in the mirror, and I looked in the mirror at the same time. <laughs> and I was in love. <laughs> this reminds me of a part I was going to do later. <laughs> but so I want to go to Matthew 19 and 6. Um, and he answered and said it to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And everyone that's married has definitely heard that scripture before. Um, I was going to go a little different direction, and I, I went to the word to find out what does the word give as far as examples for marriage. I started looking through the <laughs> I started looking through the word and I'm like, there's nothing in here that I want to model my marriage after. Um, except for in the beginning. Um, Adam and Eve. At the beginning, when when God pulled the rib out of Adam and Adam said this is the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. They were one. They came together as one. They were, they were compatible. It, the word called them a help meet, which just means a compatible person. And they were as compatible as compatible can get until they let something come in between. And I, I, told, I tell my wife all the time, you're my best friend. I tell you everything. I don't care what it is. I, um, I was out traveling. Now, that's why not, she don't like this story, but <laughs> I was out traveling, and I ordered breakfast in the room, and the um, person came up and dropped the, the, um, the, the breakfast um, at the room. I'm like, okay, thank you, tipped her, and she went on away. 20 minutes later, I hear knock, knock, knock on the door. I opened the door, and she says, I brought you back some sugar. <laughs> I was like, um, no, thank you. 
I shut the door. I went over to the phone, called Vesta. You know what just happened to me? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not even playing that. I called one, went to the phone, and, I, and Vesta kind of laughed at it. Um, she was kind of happy I did call her and told her. But I'm like, no, I tell her every, everything that happens. Whatever it is, I come to her and tell her. Because um, she's my best friend. Um, we, we were, um, we were, when we were dating, we were you know, riding motorcycles. And, and we met her in October. I met her in October. And she was still willing to jump on my motorcycle. No matter how cold it was, still go riding. I was like, I love this woman. <laughs> Basketball games, dinners. We, we were having a good time. And by, by um, three, week, three weeks in, four weeks in, I think three weeks in, I said, um, I dropped her off at her place. And I said, you know what? I'm going to marry you one day. And she just kind of smiled at me and went along. I think two weeks after that, I proposed. And she said yes. And, and um, we were supposed to get married sometime um, later that, um, in, these, in, um, in um, the next year, 1986. It was like June or July or something. And at the time, God had made a way for me at work. And I got a, like a $40,000 raise. And I said, I'm marrying you sooner. I'm not waiting. I don't believe in long engagements. I'm like, if I love you, let's get this started and let's go. So, um, yeah, Adam and Eve, the, the greatest um, God-instituted marriage. It's not a man thing. It's a God thing. Um, and Adam and Eve, until they let somebody come into their marriage, had, had the world. They had each other. They had everything um, at their disposal. And I thank God that we have not let anybody into our marriage. I don't go to anybody for advice. We, you know, that's a, and you know, standing here today after 33 years, and we can laugh at our arguments now. Um, I mean, our first, I remember our first argument. Our first argument was, I liked to take the bread, spin it, and tie a knot in it. She liked to wrap the bread tie around it. We argued about that. We argued a big argument over bread, how to, how to tie the bread. That was our first argument. That's about the only one I remember. <laughs> but, but I was like, um, standing here now, back then, my getting in an argument, my main goal was to win. I don't care what I said. It was like being on the basketball court. I'm trying to score. So if I, get, if, if I can win the argument, I'm happy. But there's always, um, you know, there's negative parts of that. You might have said something you didn't mean that you can't take back. And the hardest part of becoming one is to, um, and that's part of it, is learning your words, learning to, um, to always respect the other, no matter if you're arguing or not. And reading that scripture, I said, becoming one flesh I think for me was the hardest thing. We're from two different areas. I grew up on a farm. She grew up in this city. She has ideas. I have ideas. And it was a harder thing for me to, to think like her and for her to think like me. Um, so I, I, went, I went on and on. I looked at Abraham and Sarah. Um, they loved each other, but they ran ahead of God. God gave them a promise. I promise you. But they couldn't, they couldn't wait. They had, to, they had to, to try to fix it themselves. And a lot of, that, a lot of damage comes from 
trying to fix it yourself instead of waiting for God and let God fix it. So, um, yeah, Abraham and Sarah, if they had just waited, just wait on God. Even if you're single, just wait on God. There's, there's still um, there's somebody there. Um, when, I met, when I met Vesta, she, she um, said, uh, what was it? When, we, when I went over and talked to her and we, we danced a little bit, and as, when she started to walk away from me, she said, are you saved? I was like, yeah. And then she turned around and looked at me. She said, well, what are you doing here then? <laughs> and no one ever asked me that in the club before. So, and I said, I said, well, what are you doing here? Are you saved? I said, what are you doing here? Now, standing here today, I would have said, I came here to find you. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, if I had just a little bit more wisdom back then, I would have came back a little, little different. Um, Isaac and Rebecca. You know, um, you know, Isaac had lost his mother. He was sad, he, you know, and, and Abraham said, I'm going I'm to have to find him a wife. And um, he, didn't wanna, he didn't want them to uh, marry out of the Canaanite people um, because of their beliefs and that they had their wicked ways and, and like that. And he, he ends up um, finding Rebecca. And Rebecca's name means um, captivating or a noose. That means when you looked at her, she had a noose around your neck. She was so beautiful. She was captivating. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, but then they let favoritism come into their marriage. They let deceit and lies come in and destroy everything that they had. Um, I, you know the, the story of um, Esau and Jacob, how one favored the other and father favored um, Esau. Um, Rebecca um, favored um, um, Jacob um, and how they let that favoritism and lies and the wife lying to the husband, husband lying to the wife, um, how they let that come into their, into their marriage. And I just, just tell the truth. The lie might come out first, but sooner or later you're going to have to tell the truth if you want to have a successful marriage. Um, so we, and then there was Jacob and Rachel. And then what I just did now reminded me of, of Jacob <laughs> when I got all choked up. Because um, it was his love at first sight. Um, and God had put this marriage together. Because remember, um, Isaac sent the messenger to find um, Jacob a wife. God sent an angel ahead of him and set everything up. For, um, for this messenger to find the wife that Jacob needed. And when, um, when Jacob saw Rachel, am I telling the right story? He saw her at the well, yes. right? And he rolled the stone away and fed her flock, right? right. And then he kissed her and then started crying. He was smitten. He was in love. That was it. He started crying. Um, I was like, I can't believe I just did that. Uh, <laughs> so, and then there was Elkanah and, Han Elkanah and Hannah. And remember, um, Hannah didn't have any children. She was barren. And Elkanah was, um, and you know, Peninnah, she was always making fun of her, you know, just teasing her. And Elkanah sees her, her sad continence. And he said, uh, what's the problem? Am I not more than 10 sons? Yes, you are. 
I'm giving you everything that you could want, you could desire. But she desired more. She wanted a child. And I kind of fault Elkanah for that because he didn't actually feel what Hannah was going through. And that's that oneness snatch that you need. You got to know when your wife is hurting, when your husband's hurting. You got to feel um, their spirit. Um, they had a bad day. You know when to, when to bother them, when not to bother them. Um, Elkanah didn't seem to um, actually feel her sorrow. And then she's off praying by herself and end up giving her first son away. Um, but you have to have that, that and, and like I said, the, um, just becoming one is, is really hard to do. But then as the years, the years go on, you go through certain things. We've been through um, so much marriage and children and sickness and death and so on and so forth. And all that either is going to tear you apart or bring you together. And I thank God today that, that, all, that all that stuff has pulled us has pulled us closer together. Um, I don't know what Vesta was talking about because I, I know I know her her looks, I know her moods, I know when she rolls her eyes, what it means. I, I know I know all of that. <laughs> I know if she how she sits, if she's sitting a certain way. I, I just I just do because she's my best friend. I I know her. I just I always say I know her. She says, you don't know me. I'm like yes I do. I know you. It's been it's been a long time. It's been 33 years, and. And I'm not saying that I don't make mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes. Just last week or the week before, I was, um, she said something before we went to sleep. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I said, I, I, and she went to sleep. And I was like, what? I thought about it all night. And when we woke up in the morning, I was breathing fire. I was, <laughs> I was so, I was so ticked. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Like, you know what's wrong with me. <laughs> and I stumped out the house and went to work. And I get home, and she's like, what was that? She's like, you know, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I wouldn't say anything to hurt you. I wouldn't say, I'm like, and, she's, and then she apologized. And I was like, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> It, it's, just, it's just life. Um, you got to love your partner. And, oh, love. Homer and Hosea. Everybody, um, I mean, Gomer, Gomer. Everybody know that story? Yeah. Now, that is, um, <laughs> that is absolute love. Because you know what? Um, Jose, um, Jose had to stand in the place of God. As God said, this is what Israel is doing to me. Coming to me, they're married to me, but then they're leaving me and cheating on me. They're coming back to me. And then they leave again, they're cheating on me. And Jose, um, Hosea was um, sent to marry a woman of the night, Gomer. And um, it, and it said, I don't know if it's proven, but it said that they had three children. And it says that None of them were his. But he still loved her. And then she left. She left him. And again, and went down with, with um, this man. And he was doing her wrong. And he was you know, putting her back to work. And um, 
Hosea, we don't know how much time passed, but Hosea went and bought her back. He bought her back. And then he, he told her, um, I still love you, but it's going to take me a little bit of time to get this back together. And he, he um, you know, there's a, there's a time permitted. I don't know if it's a couple weeks or a few months or whatever it is. But um, she had to be purified and so on and so forth. And Jose, um, Jose took her back after all that, after the, the cheating and the, the children and, and everything else. And this is the same thing God was going through. God says, I, I love you, but you keep leaving me. And you keep getting other gods and you're cheating on me and this and that. And thank God, you know, we didn't have to deal with that in our marriage. But people who do have that in their marriage, I'm not going to say have to find forgiveness. But love will make a way. It will. If you love her that much, if you love him that much, you have, there, there's forgiveness there. I mean, the word says you don't, um, you know, there's a, there's a divorce. There's a bill of divorcement. But that's not something that, that, that God had, had wanted. Because even when they brought it to Jesus in Matthew, he said um, they brought divorce to him. But he threw back marriage. Because he said in the beginning, and that's what the scripture I read in the, at, um, at the start, um, they, threw, they threw a divorce at him. And I told Vest before we got married, I said, I'm doing this one time. I said, so before we got married, I said, I'm doing it one time. I'm getting married one time, and that's it. I don't believe in divorce. If we have a problem, we're locking the door, and we're going to work things out. And we have done that. I, find, I wait for Vesta to walk into a small room, and I step behind her, shut the door, and I lean against the door. And which she hates. And I, <laughs> and I had to lean against the door, and we're just gonna, we're just gonna fight it out. And I would always like try, at the first I'm like, I would always try to like wait her out. She's just giving me the cold shoulder. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give her the cold shoulder. And then a day goes by, two days go by, a week goes by, and she's still hanging in there. I'm like, oh, I give up, I can't do it. And I get her in the room, I lock the door, and I'm like, okay, let's, I give up. Let's talk about this. Let's get this straightened out. And through all that, and I keep telling her, she's my best friend. Through all that, through all those fights and, 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 and love and, and children and, and just life, I, I can't find myself anywhere else. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. And you can replace charity with love. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not, be, does not behave itself unseemly, um, seeketh not her own, does not easily provoked, and thinketh no, no evil. Now that, that scripture tells you everything that love is not. So if, if any, you fit into any of these, these categories, including myself, there's some work to do. And I do. I fit in some of these categories. And I'm continually um, just trying to improve, <laughs> watch my attitude, um, just the pressures of life um, have the way to, to, to weigh on a marriage. It, it does. Um, but love endures. It does. Um, and it, it says, love envieth not. Envy can destroy. If you're jealous of your wife, if you're jealous of your husband because he got a promotion or he's going here or he's doing here or she's doing this or that, envy can destroy. Because um, 
Now, Cain and Abel, envy, ended up in death. Um, it says, um, envy put Jesus on the cross, Matthew 27 and 18. Um, love is, isn't self-centered. You can't love yourself more than your spouse. You have to, your spouse has to come first. I remember sitting in a Bible study, and I, I forget what Vesta said, and she said that, um, but I, I ended up responding to her, and I said, no, I said, if this room fills with water, you're going to stand on my shoulders. I'm going to drown, because I love you. Um, love, um, just like the, the ultimate love, Jesus. Love is an action word, because Jesus could have said, I love you, and not get on the cross. But it took action to show, I love you, and I'm willing to give my life. And, and um, it says that you should love your wife as Jesus loved the church, right? So if, if I'm not willing to give my life for my wife, then I don't love her. If it comes down to us walking down the street and somebody comes up with a gun and I turn around and start running and leave her, <laughs> I don't love her. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to wear your patience, but um, love made us one flesh. After it took effort, it took life, it, it took a lot of things to pull us to, um, together to, for our love to grow and to that point where we are now one flesh. I really, I really feel that. Um, and, and like I said, I, best, I know, I know you're, you're, when you roll your eyes, I, I know. <laughs> But yeah, I know it's an analogy, but I'm just, I'm saying, I roll my eyes too. I have my moods too. So um, I'm going to stop there. I hope somebody got something out of this. And um, I know marriage is very personal. And it's hard if what works in our marriage isn't going to work in another marriage. It, it's, um, marriage is very, very personal. Um, me and Vest watch the same things. <laughs> I think other people would run, run, run screaming out of our house for the shows that we watch. <laughs> All those old black and whites. And <laughs> but we both, we both love watching it. Uh, <laughs> um, I think we're just made for each other. So that, that's all I have. I'm going to pass the mic back to Pastor Joel. All right. <laughs> awesome job. All right. Come on, y'all. Clap your hands for the Herberts. How many guys enjoyed them on today? Was that awesome? That's awesome. So we're going to have a word of prayer. Um, I want to thank you guys again for just your faithfulness of coming out for the last few weeks as we've been teaching um, on relationships and marriage and singlehood and all of those things. Um, it's been pretty good, pretty interesting. Um, plan to revisit this again. Um, I had did something a few weeks ago on the ten. I said six rules of dating. And then I, I got an email from somebody that week, like, I want the other four. So um, we're going to revisit some things in a few weeks. Um, but um, this has been a complete four weeks. It's been really exciting. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, so, Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go, the number two, hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, 
and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.